0: We're in chapter two of the book of Titus on the CWCCS podcast with Pastor Al Pittman. This message titled Divine Persistence talks about how faith must exist throughout all parts of our life, not just at church. Here's our teacher, Al Pittman. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 15. Our theme through the book of Titus has been setting things in order because the Apostle Paul writing to Titus on the island of Crete said set things in order. Why? Because God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. Set things in order within the church. So thus far through our study we have considered those things that need to be set in order and that is we considered the fact that to set things in order, you have to have common faith, it requires godly leadership, we talked about that, we talked about sound doctrine last week, and now, today, divine perspective. To have things set in order, we need divine perspective. Perspective is important. The definition for perspective is a particular attitude toward or way of regarding something, a point of view. Now, there's a lot of people out there today in our culture that have a lot of different perspectives that are just wrong. Amen. The Bible says, thinking themselves wise, they've become fools. And there's a way that seems right unto a man, but it leads to destruction. But they have their own perspective based on their own opinion. The Perspective of the believer should be based upon Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, we cannot be effective with the wrong perspective. Amen. You didn't get that one. Let me write it and say it again. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we cannot be effective. We cannot bring glory to God in this world if we have the wrong perspective. As the saying goes, perspective is reality. Christ is the believer's reality. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, he says, Paul writes there and says, For to me to live is Christ. We'll just chew on that for a little bit. Can we say it out of our own lives? For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's perspective, divine perspective. I think this message is important because it provides us with what I call a reticle of faith. The reticle of faith. What's a reticle of faith? Well, I'm glad you asked. A reticle, for those of you who are in the, you know, who hunt or those who who are in the uh, um, business of, um, uh, you know, arms and that type of thing, firearms, you know that reticle is the crosshairs or aiming point in your field of view in a rifle scope. The crosshairs. You got to get the target in the crosshairs, right? To hit what you're aiming at. It is the two lines, one horizontal and the other vertical. And Paul here within our text is going to talk about the horizontal line of the believer and the vertical line, if you will, of the believer. That will enable us to have divine perspective here on earth. So in our text, his exhortation really serves as a recalibration of the believer's perspective by setting our faith Firmly within or solidly within the crosshairs, if you will, of two things the horizontal line, I refer to as grace, and the vertical, our blessed hope. Today, the church desperately needs divine perspective, I would say. With all that is going on in the world, we need divine perspective. Amen? And one way to gain that divine perspective or perspective today is by considering the early church. Of yesterday. A lot of times when I kind of start freaking out in my own mind, going, Lord, we need to do something, sometimes people come to church saying, The church needs to do something. You know, we're all riled up. God reminds me that this is not his first rodeo. It's mine, it's ours, but it's not his. The early church, they faced political, international, and economic upheaval. In addition, they were severely persecuted. And yet, they earned the reputation in Acts chapter 17 of being those who have turned the world upside down. Without the internet, without iPhones, without multimedia, they turned the world upside down. What made their lives, I must ask myself today, so impactful? And I have to come back to the fact. That they had a divine perspective. Before the church can turn the world, our nation, and even our community upside down, the church must be right side up. Second Chronicles reminds us, and we always quote this around National Day of Prayer, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And will forgive their sins. And heal their land. Here's the thought behind that. That if you know, we will not, I should say, we will not humble ourselves. We will not pray. We will not seek the face of God if we do not have a divine perspective. If Christ is not our hope. If our life is not centered on the crosshairs of divine perspective. Crosshairs of faith. For the believer, divine perspective must begin with possessing a present faith. Present faith. Keep that in mind. Present faith. A faith that impacts our living horizontally, if you will. Paul mentions that here in verses 11 and 12. You read along with me, verse 11, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. When? When we get to heaven? In this present age. It's a right now faith, present faith. Faith without works, the Bible says, is what? It's dead. Absentee faith in a believer's life distorts our perspective on how to live life in the horizontal here on earth. It it sentences us without without faith. Living or trying to live life without faith, trying to do it on our own. It really sentences us to a lukewarm existence. Present faith is not something that we kind of you know build up ourselves. Present faith is actually, according to our text, is sustained by the very grace of God, by God's grace. Let's look at what Paul means here. First, Paul mentions three aspects of God's faith. Let's look at that, or God's grace, I should say, of God's grace. Let's look at that first. Grace by which our faith is sustained. We need grace to sustain us. Amen. Thank God for his amazing grace. Grace. The grace of God. (laughs) You know, G-R-A-C-E, you know, the uh, acrostic for God's riches at Christ's expense. We need his unmerited grace in our lives. And so he sustains us according to his grace to live in this horizontal reality that we're in here on earth three aspects of god's grace paul gives us here and that is that number one grace brings salvation he says here within our text uh, verse 11 he says that uh, denying ungodliness uh, i'm sorry in the beginning for verse 11 for the grace of god that brings salvation grace of god brings salvation of course uh, ephesians 2 Verses 8 and 9, By grace you have been saved, and that through faith It's not of yourself. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace we have been saved, through faith, and that not of ourselves. So grace brings salvation, thank God. We have salvation in Christ. The second thing is that grace was manifested. He says that this gospel, this grace, was manifested uh, it appeared to all men. It was manifested. John chapter 1 tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word being Jesus. And we beheld, the Bible says, his glory full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. So grace was manifested. Grace brings salvation. Grace was manifested. And thirdly, grace is our teacher? Now I'm going to hang on this this point for a while. This is kind of park here for a while. Grace is our teacher. Now we we all need God's grace. Thank God for His grace. But you ever think about grace as being a teacher? Grace is a teacher. Grace teaches us as we're living in this world if you will, horizontally uh, in this world, we need God's grace in our interactions with other people and other situations in this world. you agree with that? And so we need grace. And Paul says grace is our teacher. Why do I say that? He says uh, here that grace uh, teaches us uh, to teaching us, verse 12, teaching us what? That we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Amen. That is the primary thing that the that grace of God teaches us. Because we need God's grace. Because none of us have arrived and, and, and God is still working on us. Amen. And he's teaching us by his grace to, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And I don't care if you're 6 or 60. Amen. Or 70. Or 80 do I need to keep going we still need to be taught we still need God's grace talks about ungodliness here what is ungodliness well there's other many definitions I broke it down to this and that is that anything which causes me to count God out anything that I do to say, god I don't need your help in this I got this Lord I'm going into this bar right now you can just stay in the car I'll be right back (laughs) It's ungodliness, living without God, counting God out. And then lust, what is lust? Well, you know, everybody knows what it is, but it's greed. It can be lust, uh, greediness for money, it can be a sensual uh, indulgence, it can be the lust for power, etc. The things of the world, lusting after the things of this world. These two uh, agents of the devil have really rendered many believers who have lost all perspective lost their divine perspective has rendered them ineffective in the kingdom of god and they have gone back into the world because they want because they've lost perspective this is why divine perspective is so important but worldly uh, or ungodliness and worldly lust will keep us will rob us of our divine perspective why because it's all about ego you know the acrostic for ego, EGO, edging God out. Those things where you cannot have those things and serve God at the same time. You cannot serve, Jesus said, two masters. One master wants you involved in ungodliness and lust, and the other wants you involved in that which glorifies God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, it says, For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Everything's passing away. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. We need to keep the proper perspective so that we prioritize our lives to focus on that which is eternal rather than just the temporal. There's nothing wrong in enjoying temporal things. Amen. I love temporal. You know, give me a temporary vacation in Hawaii. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in enjoying the, the, the temporal or, or you get a new car or whatever. it is. There's nothing wrong with that. But our hope is not based upon that. Amen. Uh, we're not hoping. That's not where our strength is. That's not where life is. You're not living unless you're driving this car, or you're eating this candy bar, or whatever the world says, you know. No, I'm alive in Christ. I have an eternal focus. And those things, people who live for God, who do his will, they will abide forever. Thus the grace given by God to teach us, because he's teaching us what? Remember, to, to deny what? Ungodliness and worldly lust. The grace given to us to teach us It's not cheap grace, because it will cost us. When God's dealing with you in your life about the ungodliness and and the lust in your own life, amen, we all have propensities and things that we have to wrestle with. It will cost us something. We're not talking about cheap grace. Cheap grace says, oh, God just loves you, and it didn't cost you anything. No, it costs you. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to lay your life down. You've got to pick up your cross daily. Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. Did he not say that? Amen. And your flesh is saying, "Mm, I don't want to. (laughs) And it cost us. I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, and I quote, Cheap grace is preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without uh, discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate, close quote. But the grace that teaches us makes Christ a reality in our life. In addition, we find here within our text, Paul presents Really, three required courses, if you will, speaking in sort of the academic uh, sense i 'm speaking spiritually, there are three courses required courses that that 's taught by god 's grace, if you will, which enable us to keep a divine horizontal perspective or a divine perspective as we 're living here on this earth, three required courses. <laughs> We're called disciples of Jesus Christ. And for every disciple of Jesus, you got to show up for class. And there are three classes here <laughs> that he teaches us according to his grace. What does he teach? Well, course number one sober living. And Paul says here that grace teaches us to abstain from ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Sober living. What is that? Exercising restraint over our passions and propensities. Everybody's got to go to that class. Amen? You can't skip class. The second lesson, or the second requirement, or course, if you will, is righteous living. Living soberly, righteously. Righteous living, that means just behavior in every aspect of life. I don't treat people differently because of their, the color of their skin. Or their economic situation. I I don't, I don't do business underhandedly. You know, I'm just in all of my behavior. Why? Because justice is a big thing with God. And so as believers, we need to behave in a just manner. That's something the Lord has to continually teach us. Here's a third class that every one of us will have to take, and that is godly living as well. What does that mean? That simply means reverential Devotion to God in everything that I do. I revere the Lord. In other words, I acknowledge his presence in everything that I'm doing So those three courses we're all gonna have to take and you can't drop out Amen You know how the Holy Spirit works, you know how the Lord works in our lives. He's teaching us according to his grace, you know He's given us grace You know to take the courses and if you skip a class and you show up you say you skip You know sober living you know, when you come back to class, he's gonna say, "Okay, open your books, and here's the book, the Bible, and he's gonna make you take the course all over again." Amen. You can't, you can't drop out. You know, or righteousness. He's gonna teach us. He's gonna to continue to teach you. He said, "Well, you hadn't learned that one yet." Oh, okay. You know, you're gonna learn it. You're gonna to learn to walk soberly. You're gonna learn. Have to take the course or the class on godliness. Lord says, You're going to revere me in every situation. <laughs> I want to teach you how to do that. And how does he teach us? Again, is grace teaching us. Thank God for his amazing grace. Amen. Can't drop out. I remember years years ago, a whole lifetime ago when I was in high school, <laughs> hanging out with some knuckleheads. I was a knucklehead, they were knuckleheads, so we had we had unity. <laughs> And we would skip class. We wouldn't go to class. We'd go out and we'd drink beer and skip class, do crazy stuff. And uh, we were all taking the same uh, algebra course, and I thought everybody was flunking out. We were just laughing. Hey, what'd you get on the test? I got an F. would you get an <laughs> F? And I thought, oh, these are my buddies, man. Everybody, we're flunking together. We're all just going to flunk out, amen. We'll flunk and we'll go get drunk. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a piece of work. Anyway, <laughs> grades come out, algebra class. Every one of my friends passed but me. And I was mad at the teacher. And it dawned on me. It's like, you know what? Don't be mad at the teacher. Be mad at yourself. You've got to get it for yourself. You you know, that was my you can't follow the crowd lesson in life. And uh, boy, had to take algebra again. Hunkered down, studied, stayed after class, asked questions, got with the teacher, you know, figured it out. Boom. You know, and finished that algebra course with a strong B. And for it, Al Pittman, that was a miracle. That was parting the Red Sea, you know, amen, back then. That was like, whoo, God is good. <laughs> well, what a great lesson it was for me to say, you know, you can't skip this. And a lot of believers sometimes, I think they feel like, well, I can skip righteousness, and I can skip godliness, and I can skip living a, a life of sobriety before God. No, you can't. And if you skip that class, guess what? You flunk out, you're going to have to take it again. Here's the good news. God gives us grace to take it again. Amen? Thank God. He's merciful and he's gracious. But you got to put the work in. Pastor Al can't put the work in for you. You got to stay after class. You got to ask the questions. You got to find the answers out for yourself. It's called discipleship. And no one has an excuse because we all have a personal tutor called the Holy Spirit. Amen? And he teaches us. According to grace, nobody drops out. I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter one, just a few pages over from uh, Titus to your left in your Bible. But Colossians chapter one, here in verse um, twenty-one, Paul writes, "And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death who is that that's jesus he's reconciled us to god through the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight wow that means that Despite how flawed we are and, and, and all that when we stand before the presence of God, we will be presented blameless, flawless in the sight of God. Why? Because in receiving Christ, we have received the righteousness of Jesus. God has given us the righteousness of his son for our raunchiness. And so we stand in his presence on graduation day, if you will. The Lord says you will be blameless because of the righteousness of Jesus now let's look at this he says if I believe verse 23 if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I Paul became a minister amen True disciples never drop out. We might flunk out, but we never drop out. Paul said, I'm down, but I'm not out. Amen. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. God will give us grace to make it through. Whatever he's trying to teach us. And when in the very end, on graduation day, he will present you blameless now nobody amen nobody spiritually speaking is carrying a 4.0 gpa amen amen none of us none of us have arrived even paul said i have not arrived amen Uh, but at the same time because of the grace of god through faith in christ we cannot fail any of the courses you cannot fail you're going to pass all of these courses. Then in the very end on graduation day, he's going to present you blameless before the very presence of God. How does that happen? By God's grace. By the grace of God. Even Paul the apostle. And a lot of times we think the apostles and the people of the Old Testament were different than us. No, they were just like us. They had hopes and dreams. They struggled with all kinds of things. Even Paul had this thorn in the flesh the Bible talks about that he had. It's just something that God allowed to do. Buffet him, the Bible says. And he just, he said, Lord, I like prayed three times. Lord, take this thing away from me. And the Lord did not. And so Paul was feeling like he had failed the course. God has given up on me. How can God possibly use my life? And in the schoolmaster Jesus showed up one night. in Second Corinthians chapter 12 said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You hear what jesus said remember he teaches us grace teaches us and he showed up to paul who felt like a failure probably and he said hey don't worry about it. my grace is sufficient for you i haven't given up on you and when you are weak you're still strong when you are weak you're still passing the test not because of who you are your performance but because of what i've already done for you paul amen thank god for his grace You know, Paul here, in our text, not only challenged the believers to live according to God's grace, to be taught by grace, but simultaneously, as we're being taught, to be looking for the blessed hope. We need to be living, but we also need to be looking. Not separately, but simultaneously. As we're in this world looking for First, we had the promise over the present faith and now looking for the promise future that we have in the Lord. And what is that promised future? The soon return of Jesus Christ. And Paul calls it the blessed hope. In verse 13, again, we're talking about perspective. He says, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ great God and Savior, the deity again of Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, looking for what? The blessed hope. If your perspective on life as a believer is limited to this planet, It will distort your view or it will obstruct your view of the blessed hope that is to come. There's a lot of believers who are living their lives here on earth in the horizontal, but they've forgotten the vertical perspective. They've forgotten the blessed hope that we have in Christ, that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Living without this vertical perspective is what causes offenses to not be healed within the church. People talk about church hurt. You've been around the church for a while. Like a week. You're going to be offended by something. There is church hurt. But we've got to keep this perspective that, you know, this world is not our home. That we have a blessed hope in Jesus Christ. Without this... Uh, Vertical perspective we will justify the anger bitterness that we have in our heart against our brother and sister in Christ And not only that, but we will deny The purifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives You well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm just (laughs) telling you what John says in 1st John chapter 3 as he says beloved now we are the children of God and it does not yet appear or yet not yet been revealed What we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall see him, shall see him, or we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. Now, here's the kicker. And everyone who has this vertical view and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. everyone who has a vertical perspective that Jesus is coming we have a blessed hope we want to purify ourselves just as he is pure I mean think about it what if we all knew Jesus sent us all a text to the church and said I'll be back in let's say right now 30 minutes from now what would you do differently what would happen in the church if Jesus texted us and said I'll be back in 30 minutes you know what I'm going to tell you what's going to happen Revival would break out. (laughs) Amen. Restoration and renewal would happen. People would get on the phone and call people and say, hey, hey, you know, I just need to ask you to forgive me. (laughs) Husbands and wives would make up. Amen. I know you were fighting all the way to church this morning, but you would make up. (laughs) We get things right. We delete some things off our computers. If we knew Jesus was coming in 30 minutes. And I would venture to say if we knew he was coming in 30 minutes and nothing changed in your life. I wonder even if you've been born again. That you don't even belong to him. Because his sheep. They hear his voice. And they follow him. Amen. So you know, I wonder. You know, but then we go, "Whoa, yeah, <laughs> Jesus coming thirty minutes." Woo! One thing Jesus will save us from Pastor Al's message. But that, anyway, <laughs> we have to sit here for nothing. <laughs> but you know, but if He was coming in thirty minutes, man, whoa! Look at what would happen. But that's exactly how God wants us to live. He wants renewal and revival and restoration to be a common experience in the house of God because we have a vertical. E- A perspective of our Lord. Amen? Oh, give him praise and glory. Amen? That's what happens when we really believe he is coming back. I want to get it right, not just, you know, when I hear the trumpet sound. I want to get it right now. Because I have a vertical perspective living here on earth that Jesus is coming soon. The absence of this perspective, my friend, I'm telling you, this blessed hope, if you've forgotten your blessed hope, when we find an absence of this blessed hope within the church, we'll find believers who are more concerned with what pleases them rather than what pleases God. But you show me a group of believers who believe he's coming at any moment, and they want things to be right. In verse 14, Paul gives us Really a threefold or synopsis, I should say, of the gospel. And there's three things that he mentions here. And the reason he mentions them is that because this is the basis for our blessed hope in the Lord. In verse 14. Verse 14, it says, who gave himself for us. That is Jesus. That he, excuse me, gave himself, himself for us. And get my eyes adjusted here. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself uh, his own special people. Zealous for good works. And really, we have the gospel there. A synopsis of the gospel. Why do I say that? Number one, and, and, and by the way, again, the, the basis for our blessed hope in him. Number one, Christ gave himself for us. Amen. That's the gospel. He died on a cross for our sins. He took our punishment upon himself. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, of course, says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The second thing he mentions here, that's a synopsis, synopsis of the gospel, is that he redeemed us from sin. He not only died on the cross, oh, did not that wonderful Jesus died on the cross, but he did so and shed his blood so that we could be free from every lawless deed from our sins. He redeemed us from our sins. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it. He gives it to you as a gift. is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, a synopsis of the gospel. The third thing he mentions here. He said, Christ purified us for himself. We do not live unto ourselves because we have this blessed hope that he's coming soon. But we live unto God. He purchased us for himself. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20. And Paul writes there, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit lives in you. Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Amen? We need to remind ourselves of that. Now, this is what, again, we're talking about perspective. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. He has redeemed us for himself. We belong to him. Our blessed hope is secure, therefore. And Paul points this out. You know, hey, Christ came and, you know, he died for us. He washed away our sins. We belong to him. And because we belong to him, we have this great assurance in him. We have this vertical perspective because, you know what, Uh, we don't preserve ourselves. We don't sustain ourselves. We don't belong to ourselves. But because we belong to him, we know. That He will come again for us. Why? Because we are not our own; we're His. You are God's property, Amen. And He's not going to leave you here. And so the Bible talks about the great day will come when the Lord will, will the trumpet will sound and the church shall be raptured off the face of the earth. Because we belong to Him; He purchased you. In other words, you're His stuff. You know, when you got your stuff, you know, and somebody gets your stuff, you're like, hey, that's my stuff. I paid for that. I want my lawnmower back, neighbor. You know. (laughs) That's your stuff. He purchased you. You belong to him. And so I know I can rest in my vertical perspective, my blessed hope in Jesus, because I belong to him, and he's going to come back for me. Amen? (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. Now, by way of conclusion, verse 15 really wraps it all up because he says in verse 15 of Titus chapter 2, Paul says, speak these things. What things? Things we just went over. Don't be shy about these things. Speak these things. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Speak these things. He's talking about grace. That teaches us grace that we live by here on earth and the blessed hope by vertical perspective, a perspective of grace on earth, perspective of our blessed hope, Jesus coming back. Guess what this sign makes? The crosshairs that we're to be focused on is the cross. The cross is our perspective. As we live in this world. With this perspective. We can face personal problems. With this perspective. We can face the pandemic with this perspective we can face politics with this perspective we can face persecution with this perspective amen this is a divine perspective that enables you to live as a conqueror through jesus christ that they may say of us as they said of the early church these are they who have turned colorado springs upside down it's through the perspective of the cross we have a great example in the New Testament of grace, living here on earth, and blessed hope. Perspective, divine perspective, in the life of Stephen, Acts chapter seven, the first New Testament martyr. Stephen preached a fantastic message. It's an excellent study in in uh, in preaching. How he presented that message. And of course at the end of the message. (laughs) He. Told them to repent. People don't mind you preaching but don't tell them to repent. Well they didn't like it. So he took up stones to stone Stephen to death. And in his martyrdom. We find a divine perspective. Perspective. We find grace. Now, again, they're throwing stones at his head. They're stoning him. But he had his divine perspective. He knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And the Bible says, regarding the horizontal perspective, grace. Living here in this world. We need grace to deal with folks. We need grace to follow God. We need God's grace. Amen. Rocks coming at his head. Amen. The Bible says he declared, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. That's grace. That's the grace of God that enables us, as Jesus said, to love our enemies. To love those who use you, who despise you. That's the grace of God. See, people aren't impressed by the fact that you can argue them down. They are impressed By the grace you extend to them. Why? Because God extends grace to you. And when you extend it to other people, they're like, what do you have? And here being stoned to death, Stephen says, do not hold this sin against them. What kind of mind is that? But a mind that is resting in the grace of God. You need grace to love your spouse. You need grace to love your boss. You need grace to love your neighbor. You need grace to love one another. But with God's grace, we can do that. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? We're without excuse. So with grace in his heart, you're stoning in the death. Grace enables you to, to see past the rocks people are throwing at you. And to see their need. They needed Jesus. Stephen knew that. And he said, do not hold this sin to their charge. That's the horizontal. Where's the vertical? Here's the vertical. He's being stoned to death. Did I, did I say he was being stoned to death? I mean, somebody's throwing rocks at me. I'm picking up a couple myself, throwing them back. I'm just saying, I just, I don't know. I'm not maybe where Stephen was, but you throw a rock at me, you probably going to get it back, amen. But he's in the spirit. In fact, his face was like that of an angel. The Lord was with him. Here was his vertical, blessed hope. His vertical perspective. As they were stoning him, the Bible says, he said, look. He thought everybody could see it, but only he could. Everybody can't see what you see. He said, look. I see the heavens open. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You're stoning him. He says, look. Whatever he saw, this blows my mind. Almost brings me to tears. Whatever he saw was so much more glorious than anything we can experience in his life. That the rocks no longer mattered. The hurts. Amen. Praise the Lord. The hurt. The pain you've experienced in his life. No longer mattered. Because of his vision of Jesus, not seated at the right hand of God, but standing. God stands for those who have a blessed hope in him. Amen. He was standing for him. I love that. What a great example of the horizontal perspective of the believer living by grace and the vertical perspective of the believer trusting in the blessed hope to come. With that, we can be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Amen. And now we go into communion. Communion reminds us that the cross is the crosshairs of our faith, by which we live by grace and by which we look. For the blessed hope. You ever lose perspective. Shortest way back. Is remember the cross. And if you will. Then you will live as an overcomer. Through the one. Who overcame the world. Father we thank you for your word today. Help us Lord. To live with this divine perspective. To not be. Overwhelmed. By worldly opinions or ideologies. If you're here today or you're watching online, you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. I'd be honored in the Lord to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Right there, wherever you're watching from at home or wherever it might be. your iPhone somewhere or whatever, I pray that God would bless you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can bow your head and repeat this prayer. If you're in this auditorium in this building, you can do the same. Bow your head and simply repeat this prayer after me. If you want to know Christ, if you want to know your sins are forgiven, if you want to know the blessed hope and the glorious grace of God, would you simply pray this prayer, Lord Jesus? I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe. That you are risen from the dead. Forgive me. For all of my sins. I receive you today. As my Lord. And as my savior. In Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for catching today's episode of the CWCCS podcast. If you haven't already, hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if this message hit home for you, share it with a friend. You can also support this ministry and these free teachings by visiting cwccs.org and click on Give. While you're there, you can also find the full archive of teachings from Pastor Al Pittman by clicking on the sermon's link. That's cwccs.org. This podcast is presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.